Well, as we're making our way back to our seats, I'm going to invite Kelly Boonder and Tim Mulder to join me up front here. And this morning, we are blessed to have a transition in um, God's provision for leadership. You know, a church, every um, ministry needs leadership and organization. And this morning, we get to install office bears. Um, our new deacon is Kelly Boonder, who's agreed to serve, and Tim Mulder has agreed to serve as one of our administrative elders. And so, um, Kelly, you're going to be replacing Dane Dick. And um, Tim, you're going to be replacing Ken Adama. And so... Um, for Not even all right, and so therefore we hear humility and also we see servant leaders standing here willing to serve the Lord helping them. Well, what, um, first of all, before we go further, I feel like, um, some of you are guests, but you know how much you can imagine it takes to serve in different ways. And so I'm going to invite you to celebrate and thank the Lord too. But can we just, um, thank the Lord by clapping and thanking Him for the service of Ken and Dane? Faithful servant leaders. Thank you. Well done. As we um, think about replacing, well, what in the world are these roles? What are these responsibilities that Kelly and Tim are getting ready to step into? And I'm just going to paraphrase the, um, some, of, some of what's written in the long form of um, subscription and so forth. But deacons help us with our benevolence. Um, in the Word, there were needs that were being not going, um, that were not being met. And so, remember, there were widows that needed to be cared for. Remember that story? And so they appointed some deacons. Well, we don't just have widows, but we have, at various times in our lives, don't we all have needs? Whether it's a financial need, a physical need of some sort. And so um, our deacons are the people, and we see them on Sunday mornings often after the service, available to help. If we've got something going on and we could use some guidance, some wisdom, they help with referrals to like community resources that are available. Sometimes people need food. Sometimes they need some help with their rent or um, transportation, you know, a ride here or there to a doctor. Like there's just many varieties of ways that we can help each other. And so the deacons are the people that we, um, if somebody has a need, they are the ones that um, prayerfully discern how to help step into that. Um, what do the administrative elders do? We've got two different kinds of elders here at our church. We have care elders, which are um, caring more for the discipleship and the encouragement of our body. But then we have these um, administrative elders, and that sounds kind of almost like a business term or something, but actually what they're spending a lot of time doing is prayerfully discerning. What is God doing? He's given us a vision. Are our programs, are our staffing, are our ministries um, keeping us moving all in the same direction? You also pray for the staff and for the pastors, and you encourage us, and you hold us accountable. And so we are very grateful for these roles and that you all are willing to step into them. Now, I've explained them a little bit. Now there's the official, will you accept this role? And so I'm going to ask you four questions, 
And then um, the answer, after I've read all four of them, if you accept it, you would say, I do, God helping me. All right, so let me read these questions. Do you believe that in the call of this congregation, God himself is calling you to these holy offices? Do you believe that the Old and New Testaments are the word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and life? Do you subscribe to the doctrinal teaching of this church, rejecting all teaching that contradicts them? And do you promise to do the work of your offices faithfully in a way worthy of your calling and in submission to the leadership and discipline of the church? And your answer, Kelly? I do, God helping me. And your answer, Tim? I do, God helping me. A charge, what are we charging you as a deacon to do? Um, Kelly, along with the other deacons, we say, teach us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Help us to treat everyone with respect and dignity. Minister to the rich and poor alike, both inside and outside of our church. Listen carefully to the needs presented and exercise wisdom and use our resources um, discerningly. Help our congregation to recognize the needs of our community and to engage in new ways to serve those needs for God's glory. Encourage and bring the hope of Jesus to all that you serve. And then the charge to our elders is this. We charge the elders and we charge you, Tim, as a shepherd of the flock to continue to show deep love for one another For love covers a multitude of sins. Model a life of love and teach us to love God more, to love ourselves, to love each other and others. Be a friend and a Christ-like example to all. Give clear and cheerful guidance to all. And by word and example, bear up under God's people in their pain, their weakness, celebrate their joys with them, Hold and trust all matters that are confidential and that are um, shared with you. Encourage the age to persevere in God's promises. Be a wise counselor to support and strengthen the pastors. Be compassionate yet firm and consistent in any rebuke or discipline. Know the scriptures that are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And Tim, pray continually for the church. And so, congregation, there's a question for um, us as well. There's actually a charge. Um, And the charge is this, people of God, to receive these office bearers, to receive Kelly and Tim as Christ's gift to the church. And will you recognize them? Will you support them? Will you encourage them? And will you pray for them? And if you will, you would say... We will, God helping us. And so what's your answer, church? Great. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these office bearers. And we thank you that in the commissioning that you actually come upon, that you stir up the gifts that you've already given, and that you give every gift that is needed. And so, Lord, we commission them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would um, provide everything that's needed for them, that you would fill them with your spirit, that you would give them wisdom, that you would grant them strength, 
and that you would make them faithful workers in your vineyard. Lord, we ask that this church would grow and flourish under their leadership, that you would keep us united, and that through them your name would be honored and your church would be served. Help us, your people, to accept them gladly, to encourage them always, to respect them for the sake of your precious Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I invite you to have a seat, church family, and I invite Mark and Rebecca and Raylan Essenberg to come forward. Today is a sweet and special and joyful day and a long-awaited day for this family. Many of you will be aware that um, they've been in the process of adopting Raylan for 20 months, (laughs) and we've been praying with them through that whole 20 months. It's been an incredible experience of seeing God answer many prayers. And last week, Wednesday, it was the 11th, I believe, Raylan was officially adopted and became Raylan Essenberg. Yeah. So we're going to baptize Raylan this morning, but first I'm going to ask, uh, Mark's going to share... Just a couple of minutes, highlights of that story, and yeah, you can. Yeah, so um, in about 2008, which is 10 years ago, we were praying about God um, expanding our family, and we felt like it was time for us to start having our having some kids, and um, then we ended up going to Romania a couple times. And we felt God put adoption on our hearts. Um, But then he called us to Romania for five years. And so we said, well, I guess we'll have to put that dream on hold and just see what the Lord's timing is for that. And so um, we did that. And toward the end of our time in Romania, that desire just came, started to come back more and more. And we just felt that, yeah, it's time to come back home and to start pursuing adoption again. And so we did. Uh, we came back home. God richly blessed us. We were praying that whole time that God would um, match us up with just the right child. And so that was many years before Raylan was born. Um, we were able to um, go through the foster care process. We got her when she was only 12 days old, right out of the hospital. And we didn't know what was going to happen the whole time. Um, the whole first year of her life, was she was with us the whole time, but it was very uncertain. Uh, but at this point, we're just so thankful to God for providing her for, her for us, for answering so many prayers, all of your prayers, praying for us through this time. We so appreciate that, and we just are so overjoyed that Raylan is now Raylan Essenberg, and she's just part of our forever family. And, uh, yeah, we just, we just bless her and bless the Lord for all of that he's done through this. What a, thank you, Mark. What a beautiful picture of um, God's love for us. He adopts us, right? So long before we're ever aware of the Lord and his love for us, he comes after us. Just like you were praying for Ray Lynn, looking for a daughter, asking God that he would match you up with someone that he prepared for you. And she had no idea. She wasn't even born yet. And then when she was born and she was in the hospital, she didn't know. But you were searching. You were praying. You were looking. Just like God 
comes, searches after us. And that's the way God has always been. He's a searching God who chooses us. In the Old Testament, He chose Abraham and Isaac and Israel from them. And He said, I'm going to be your God. And you're going to be my people. And He made a covenant with them. And He said, I'll be faithful to you. And as we walk through the whole Old Testament, we see God's faithful. He never breaks a single one of His promises. But we can't keep Him. Israel can't keep Him. And so God says, I'm going to make a better covenant a new covenant. And so when we see Jesus on the night before his death having his last supper with his disciples, he takes that wine and he hands it to him and he says, this is, this is my blood shed for you in the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins for many. Jesus makes a new covenant promise. And then when he rises from the dead and he ascends to his throne in heaven, his disciples on that day of Pentecost, they start preaching. People are cut to the heart over their sins and they're wondering what to do. And the disciples say, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ because the covenant's through him for the forgiveness of your sins. This promise is for you and your children. And your children. Because children are included in their parents in God's eyes. And so when Paul writes his letter to the Corinthian church, he actually says to them that the children of believers are holy. Now parents, do your children always act in holy ways? Mind you, but, uh, but no, just, just kidding. They don't always act in holy ways just like we don't always act in holy ways. So how can Paul say that children of believers are holy? Because the blood of Jesus makes us holy. And these two are in Jesus and children are in their parents. This is how God views us. He's a God of covenant. He sees us corporately. So we're going to baptize Ray Lynn this morning. And the Lord's going to speak His love over her and His promises to her. And I'm going to ask Mark and Rebecca some questions. And then I'm going to ask you as a church family a question. And we'll all answer, we do, the Lord helping us. Mark and Rebecca, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, accept the promises of God, and affirm the truth of the Christian faith, which is proclaimed in the Bible and professed in this church. Do you believe that Raylin, though sinful by nature, is received by God in Christ as a member of His covenant and therefore ought to be baptized? And do you promise, in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community, to do all in your power to pray for and instruct Raylin in the Christian faith and to lead her by your example to be Christ's followers. Mark and Rebecca, what is your answer? We do, God helping us. Church family, do you promise to continue receiving Ray Lynn in love, pray for her, help instruct her in the faith, and encourage and sustain her in the family of God? Church family, what is your answer? 
I think what she's doing is kind of a perfect picture of how some of us come into the kingdom of God, kicking and screaming. But she's here, and she's the Lord's. And so, Ray Lynn Essenberg, I baptize you in the name of God, your Father, and of Jesus, who loves you and is your Lord and Savior, and of the Holy Spirit who is your comforter and guide and will be with you all the days of your life. May you be blessed to grow in receiving and living out of the Lord's love all of the days of your life. Mark and Rebecca have uh, chosen a scripture to pray over Raylin that Rebecca is going to share right now. Jeremiah 1.5 says, this is to you, Raylin, from God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, um, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Mm. Let's pray for Mark and Rebecca and Raylan. Lord, we again just bless your name for the hundreds and thousands of prayers that you've already answered on behalf of this family. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can look at your steadfast and unfailing faithful love and we can count on you to continue to answer each of their prayers and ours. And so, Lord, we pray, strengthen them for the journey ahead. Fill them daily with your joy, with wisdom for parenting. Bless Raylin to grow up to know you too as her father and Lord we do pray that even as you have set Raylene apart that if those words as a prophet to the nations are for her that that calling would be sealed on her and that you would bring it about in your time Lord you promise every good gift that we need in your word and so we just Thank you now that you'll supply Mark and Rebecca with every good gift to continue parenting Ray Lynn and Ray Lynn to continue growing up in you. We love you, Lord. Amen. Lord, we're so grateful that we can sing our prayers, that we can pray our prayers, that we can sing our praise, that we can pray our praise, and that you are praiseworthy. Jesus, would you be exalted high? in this place this morning. Father, will your will come and be done in this place? Holy Spirit, we give you free reign to move and have your way. Breath of God, blow. Raise up dry bones. Bring to new life. Raise up an army for your kingdom's glory and your namesake, we pray. Lord, give us ears to hear what your spirit would say this morning to your church. We're hungry. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts 10, verses 23 to 48. And I just want to say how good it is to be back with you. I was gone for a couple of weeks on vacation, 
And um, while that is good, just like Derek said this morning, there's just nothing like Sunday and being with the church family. Amen? So while I was on vacation, I'm thankful for technology so that I didn't have to miss the sermons. And so every Sunday, I listened to Pastor Dave while I was away. Went to a different church, two different churches, and then um, we listened to Pastor Dave preach the last two Sundays. Do you know you can do that online? There's a podcast. You can listen to it so easy. So if you miss or if you're serving in children's worship or you just say, I need to hear that word again, um, it's there or you need to share it. Um, and let me tell you that as I listened to those, the very I think it was the first Sunday, the recording started with Pastor Dave saying something about, oh, to be obsessed with the kingdom of God. Oh, to be obsessed with the king and his kingdom. And that has stuck with me. Those words, yes, Lord, that prayer, yes, let us be obsessed. Let us desire you and your kingdom more and more and more. He also, in one of those sermons, talked about in prayer, positioning ourselves to receive from the Lord. We don't command him to say anything, but we posture ourselves in prayer to receive. And that's what we've been studying as we've been going through Acts. And this story of Peter and Cornelius is how they were postured before the Lord to receive in prayer. And so the story picks up after Peter had been up on the rooftop, had a vision, don't call anything unclean, that which I call clean, And then um, Cornelius was told to send for this man from Joppa. And so um, Peter has come. And so here we go. The men had come to um, Peter's house. And Peter had invited the men into the house to be his guest. And then now picking up with our text for this week. The next day, Peter started out with them. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in um, shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. 
Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter, to stay with them for a few days. This is God's good word to us. Friends, as I read this story and reflected on it, all I could think about, again, was the words that Pastor Dave had said a couple of weeks ago about being obsessed with the king and the kingdom. And I thought, What does it mean to be obsessed? And the word hungry came to my mind. They're hungry. They're hungry. Like they're desiring. They're ravenous. I see this in this story. They're hungry for the king. They're hungry for the kingdom. Peter set himself up that way. Cornelius, even though he doesn't know exactly what he's looking for, but he knows that there's a God out there. And I thought about how beautiful it is when we're hungry for the Lord. There's a woman named Marsha Heckman that lives in this city. And on Tuesday night, she was here and shared a testimony with the City Fest prayer. And every month, there's testimonies of how the Lord's moving, how he's working. And I think almost every time I've been to one of these monthly prayer gatherings for revival and renewal in our city... Marcia has a testimony and she gets up and she shares about how she was talking with someone about Jesus 
and they prayed to receive Christ. And so, I mean, month after month, and it's not like she's saying two years ago this happened, but often it's like that day or the day before. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It inspires me. And this month, she talked about that she was at MVP Sports. I mean, she'll be talking to people at Myers or just where on the sidewalk at her doctor's office, the dentist office, like wherever she goes, she's talking about Jesus. Well, at MVP Sports, she was getting ready. Now, all the details of this story, you know, it's Tuesday. So um, just bear with me. I don't remember all the details, but some of the story goes like this, that she was getting ready to get in the pool, and the water is cold, I guess, or at that day. It was cold at this pool. And she says, oh, I have to pray before I get in this water, she says to this woman. And the woman goes, oh, you pray? And Marcia says, yes, I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian? Do you pray? And anyway, and the woman says, well, I moved here from another country and I um, Googled and I searched online about how do you know Jesus? And I prayed that prayer. And Marcia says, well, do you have anybody walking with you or teaching you about Jesus? No. And she says, well, do you have a Bible? No. And anyway, and she said, would you like to know more about Jesus? Yes. And Marcia says, well, I have a Bible study at my house in 15 minutes after this class is done. Would you like to come to my house and know more about Jesus? Yes. <laughs> hungry. I mean, is that not a story of hungry? The woman's hungry. Marcia's hungry for the king and the kingdom. And it's beautiful. And God's advancing his kingdom. And it's his work. And he goes before but there's a participation, and it's wonderful. And I see this in this passage. I look at Peter, and I think about how hungry he is and must be for the king and the kingdom. You remember that he went up to the rooftop to pray, and Pastor Dave explained that this wasn't the normal Jewish prayer hour. This was several hours before, that he was up on that terrace, probably with a nice breeze, but with stinkiness below because he was living with a tanner who was one of the, you know, low on the socioeconomic status and, you know, all like nobody wanted to be by the tanner because it stunk so bad. But that was who offered him hospitality. And so Peter's up on this rooftop pursuing intimacy with the Lord. He's hungry for Jesus, who's the king. I imagine, and it doesn't tell us exactly what he was praying about, but I imagine he was praying about this mission that Jesus had said, you know, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And then he said, go make disciples all the way out into the nations. And so Peter, who's already resurrected somebody from the dead and healed somebody who was paralyzed, I imagine he probably was wondering what's next and probably up there talking with the Lord in prayer about that. I read, um, you know, and after you've accomplished some things and the Lord used you in some ways, sometimes maybe people sit back a little bit, you know, and just get a little like, well, I've, I've done my work for the kingdom. But I ran across this quote from John Calvin, and this was about um, something he said about the book of Ephesians. But he said, interestingly, it points out that there, it's more dangerous to be content with that measure of spiritual benefits which already has been obtained 
Whatever then may be the height of our spiritual attainments, let them always be accompanied by the desire of something higher. Let's always be hungry for the Lord. Let's not be settling back from the glory of yesterday. Lord, what's for today? What's for tomorrow? What do you have for us? Where are we going? What are we doing? I noticed in this story that he's up there praying, and then he gets hungry and asks for food. And I thought, you know, how many of us do it just the opposite? We're always taking care of our physical stomachs. And what, like, every morning, am I going to my Bible first or am I going to my refrigerator first? What am I really hungry for? What we're hungry for is what we walk towards and what we ingest and what we spend our time with. What am I hungry for? And I noticed that Peter is hungry for the king and his kingdom even before his need for physical food. I noticed that when the Lord showed up and gave guidance. Don't call anything impure that which I'm cleaning. I'm paraphrasing that. But Peter, who didn't understand and asked for clarification, he accepted by faith and took steps of obedience as the Lord gave that guidance. Now that's Peter and his hunger. Now I want to talk about Cornelius for a minute. He was hungry for the kingdom, and it says he was devout, He was praying. He was benevolent, giving gifts to the poor. And so in my mind, the question comes, is this really a text about evangelism? Or is this about discipleship? Like, what is this? Who is this Cornelius? It says he's God-fearing and a devout person. Well, the God-fearers actually were a classification of the Romans who had heard the Jews talk about this one God, whereas the Romans, they um, worship many gods. And the, there was a sect of the Jews who were kind of really strongly evangelistic. Like, um, the Lord willing, we're going to be really strongly evangelistic as a Christian Reformed denomination. Um, But they were really evangelistic, trying to reach out and cause people to convert to Judaism, to follow the Jewish way and the Jewish God. Well, there were people who converted, but when they Gentiles converted, they lost all of their Gentile roots, and they were truly, they they became Jew. Well, for those who didn't go all the way, um, because that all the way would mean that the men would be circumcised, that they would do a self-baptism for purification, and then they would make a sacrifice, and then from that point forward, they would be considered Jew. Well, for the Gentiles that wanted to do kind of a part way, they were called God-fearers. And so they were trying to follow the practices and the, um, the good way of life that they saw modeled before them. That was the God-fearers. And so we see him, he's praying, And he is doing good works. But God shows up and says, there's something more you need to hear. And how many people do we encounter that say, oh, yeah, I pray. And I think sometimes we just go, oh, well, then they must be a Christian. They must know about Jesus. But I think this invites us to consider, do they really know Jesus? Do they have a viable relationship with him? 
Cornelius was hungry, and I think that hunger came from being disillusioned because a Jew, a leader, he was a leader. But how many know that you can be in a leadership position, but it's not fulfilling? He was a leader within the army, but it wasn't fulfilling. He looked at the political landscape, and I imagine like many, that he was disillusioned and thought this Roman Empire is not all it's cracked up to be. We're not seeing the flourishing of all people. Because God has a plan, and he alone knows the way that we're created to flourish. And it's going to be in him. And so there were many, and that's actually why the Jewish faith that people were considering converting from being Gentiles is because they saw something different. They saw a blessing on the Jews' lives. But the Jews, too, needed to realize that Jesus was coming as a Savior. So Cornelius is hungry. And God is drawing him. It's God that's active, right? God shows up. And somebody said, oh, well, he formed enough of a relationship that God recognized him and so forth. No, God recognizes everyone because God's the creator of everyone. It's that we need to recognize and have our eyes open to him, which he alone does for us. Praise be to him. And so Cornelius is hungry And I'm saying he was expectant. He didn't just expect and was there eager at the door waiting for Peter, but he invited his friends. And I think how many of us are so eager that we're here early at church on Sunday morning because we're eager to hear a word from the Lord. How many of us are getting up and the first thing we're doing is finding that Bible because we are eager to hear from the Lord. How many of us are inviting people that we know and love and our neighbors and our friends to come to church with us because we know that whatever we're going to hear from the Lord is going to be good news? How many of us are inviting them to Bible study? And we're getting engaged because we are eager. We are hungry. This book is not getting dusty in our house because we know that he speaks. We have a living God who speaks through his word. I don't know about you, but I felt convicted as I read this passage and reflected on it. I thought, Lord, how hungry am I? How hungry am I? How much time am I spending in your presence? How much time am I spending in prayer? How much time am I putting up your word in my heart? Hunger, hunger, thirst. I see this. And I could get into the application of this right now and just say, what if we're not so hungry for the king and his kingdom? What if we're not so obsessed? Well, it could be because maybe we're filling up on something else. What else are we turning to? Or it could be that we're just plain old tired. We've been serving the Lord and we've been serving, but maybe we're a little tired. And what's so beautiful is that the answer to both of those things is to go to the rooftop is to seek out the word and speak, seek out intimacy and time with the king. Because any which way, whether it's because we um, have been pursuing other things in our lives or maybe because we've just been running a race in the kingdom, serving so much. But either way, he's going to meet us in that place as we, like Peter and Cornelius, set apart a time and a place to meet. He's going to meet us and he's going to fill us and he's going to speak to us And he's going to stir up that hunger. Now, I want to think for a minute, what 
would Peter say? We don't see that he was fretting as he went on his several-day walk, right? He went one day, and then the next day he arrived. All right, we don't see that it tells us that he was worrying about evangelism, about what he was going to say. And so I noticed that what he did is he just gave a testimony. He said whatever had been going on with him and the living Lord, he just shared. And so, oh, the Lord showed me not to call unclean. Oh, because you have a living relationship with the Lord. And then he talked about the good news. He told about Jesus. He told about his death, his giving his life for the payment of our sins, for the raising from the dead, and that we could have our sins forgiven if we believe in him. What good news? What else do we need to say except that we're in a relationship with the living God? There's a God who loves us and wants a relationship with you, and we can point the way to him. What a beautiful thing. And it made me think, again, maybe our evangelism has dwindled a little bit because are we having that active, intimate relationship with our king? And what if we did pursue him more? What would it do to making us feel full and ready to share day by day what he's doing, how he's doing it, what he wants to do by making us all recognize what Jesus has done for us? I spent some time with someone um, this last Friday with someone in this passage, and I was talking about what a beautiful message this is because this breaks down this ethnic barrier. There were these Jews and Gentiles, and we all need a Savior. And what this means for us is that every one of us who didn't get born into a Jewish line, we're all the Gentiles. And how that, whether we're black or white or Hispanic or Asian, Puerto Rican, whatever it is, that we all together need a Savior. And my friend that I was studying this word with and I rejoiced because we looked at each other with different races and we're looking at each other and say, we both needed a savior. And because of what Jesus did for us, he brings us to where we can be all one body. We can love each other and we can share this celebration together and we can praise God together. That is such good news. Friends, as we look at our city, as we look at our nation, as we look at the world and we see the things that would divide, let's look at what who brings us into this unity. Because we're all looking at a death sentence unless Jesus forgives our sins. And isn't that the best news of all? That he gives us life He's paid the penalty. And you know what? Peter couldn't even get the words out until people were praising the Lord. I was praying that maybe as I told you about and reminded you about Jesus, that you just start praising the Lord. I want you to know this is good news and we, it's too good to keep it to ourselves. We can't be quiet. We have to praise the Lord because he has been so good to us. He gives us a hope. He gives us a new beginning. He gives us a family. Just like we saw Raylan put into a family in the physical, that's what he does for us in the spiritual. Isn't that good news? It is so good. Oh. Hunger. Thirst. He's creating hunger and thirst for the king and the kingdom among us. We've been praying for this city. We've been praying for an awakening 
And I believe the Lord's asking us, will you keep hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Will you keep hungering for me? Will you keep hungering for my word? Because my word says to each of you that it will hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are you that hunger and thirst after righteousness. You will be filled. Are you hungering for his righteousness today in your life? Maybe somebody here is hearing this and saying, I'm a sinner and I realize that I need my sins forgiven. I've never accepted Jesus before. Is that you? Anybody? Want to raise a hand? I need a savior. I've never accepted Jesus. Anybody say, I've been walking away from the Lord. I haven't been hungering. But today, I I realize that what I need is I need to hunger for him. I need to come back to him. I need to grow closer to the Lord. Anybody want to be bold and raise a hand? I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to ask you to stand up here and say something. But anybody feeling like, I need to come back to the Lord. I need to grow in my hunger. I want the Lord to stir up more hunger in me. Yeah, I see that hand. Anybody else? Need to grow. You need to grow. I see you standing up, sir. I can't, I can't hear what you're saying. You've been six years in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. You committed murder. What's your name? Everett. Everett. I stuck my hand out and you grabbed it. Jesus offers forgiveness for those that will grab a hold of it. Today, do you grab a hold of that forgiveness? It's based on what Jesus did. And he forgives you for murder. He forgives you for your sins and he wants to draw you closer to him. He's got a good life for you. In this passage ever, Cornelius asked for the word to come. And then he, I'm not trying to make you feel uncomfortable, but he said, Peter, would you stay on for a while? Would you stay a few more days and tell me some more things? If you'll stick around, we'd like to teach you and tell you some more things. And we'd like to talk to you if you haven't ever been baptized about baptism. Okay? Thanks for standing up. Thanks for being bold. Anybody else say, I need to grow closer to the Lord. Anybody say, I'm feeling convicted. I want to be more hungry for the Lord. The Lord's stirring up hunger in me, and I just need to take a step. Is anybody feeling like they just need to take a step closer to the Lord today? Yeah? See those hands? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are stirring up hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, we thank you that um, you will fill. And so come, Holy Spirit. Continue to work in us. Continue to stir in our hearts. And continue what you're doing here in our midst this morning. Lord, we praise you. We praise you, the God who forgives sins. We praise you for new beginnings. We praise you for your mercies that are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to position ourselves in your word to hear from you. Meet us, Lord, 
even as you met Peter, even as you met Cornelius, even as you met their friends. Lord, meet us and meet our friends. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.